0: This is Against All Enemies, a show about threats to American democracy. Political violence is on the rise. An alarming percentage of Americans believe they may have to take up arms against their neighbors. Some are already doing so. Every weekday, Against All Enemies highlights the activities of extremist organizations and their enablers. Our goal is to educate, not to alarm. The threats are real. But if we know what we're up against, together we can beat them. We've got an extraordinary guest on Against All Enemies today. Sue Gordon was one of the top intelligence officials under former President Trump and briefed him regularly, and she faithfully served five of the last six presidents. But she resigned from her position in the Trump administration, citing patriotism as one of her reasons for leaving. She's now speaking out against the former president, hoping to highlight the risks he poses to our national security especially with regards to his mishandling of classified documents. Thanks for watching. If you have a moment, please click on the link below to the podcast version of this show and leave us a five-star review. It
1: helps a lot, thanks. On my last day with with former President Trump, he said, what do you think the greatest threat to America is? And I said that we'll stop believing in ourselves, right? And that's what the extremism is run the, running the risk of doing.
0: Sue Gordon, welcome to Against All Enemies. In our last uh, phone call, you said something to me that, that really stuck with me as we were talking about domestic violent extremism, which by the way, multiple administrations, Republican and Democrat, have called the greatest terror threat to the United States today. You said that we need to apply the discipline of intelligence to domestic violent extremism, it can't just be law enforcement. What do you mean by that?
1: Um, so intelligence is a, a craft that allows you to deal with massive amounts of information, n- not in a deductive sense, but in an inductive sense. What do I, what does this mean? Right? I'm not trying to prove something. I'm not trying to prove a theory. I'm trying to look at information and trying to understand what it is I'm seeing. And then once I understand it, we have a lot of other means uh, to prosecute it or to act on it. Um, If we try and arrest our way out of this, one of two things will happen besides losing. We will also run the risk of taking fragmentary information and over uh, coming up with a theory and then prosecute that. I think, I think this is one where you just have to understand what's really going on, look at the data, try and draw some connections, try to understand the underlying uh, networks and causations. Put that together in an assessment that will have some uncertainty, but then you decide how you're going to act against it, and some of that will be law enforcement, and some of that will be other kinds of actions to go against it. The challenge is that discipline resides in an intelligence community that has very specific authorities that are designed to go before go against not the American people but against uh, foreign actors. And so you can't just give this responsibility to the intelligence community. It's like you have to take the discipline of intelligence and apply it to something new that is combined with some of the disciplines of law enforcement into something that allows us to see more clearly what it is we're dealing with to develop a whole range of responses against it.
0: Reading between the lines, I think it's safe to say that you don't think DHS is doing that now. Do you think constitutionally, I don't mean in the legal sense, I mean the way that department thinks, the way it's set up, the way it operates,
1: is it even able to do that? Yeah, I think I, uh, um, no aspersions on DHS intended, but I don't think right now any of the institutions we have are particularly well set up to both acquire the information we need in a responsible fa- fashion, assess the information we need in a responsible fa- that we've acquired in a responsible fashion, and then develop the responses that are not were not divined for designed for a different purpose. And I think the reason why you almost need something new uh, is in part because of just how fraught this is politically, how much it intersects free speech, how many kind of swings and misses that we've had in terms of doing something on it. And we certainly learned this lesson uh, fighting the counterterrorism battle overseas. There were so many things when we first started that that you could actually increase the disenfranchisement of the people that you were trying to, to respond to. So, you know, I cannot believe I said the words, you need something new. Cause generally I am an anti building of the government agency, but what this will take intellectually to do it in a responsible constitutional non-escalation of government authority way, I think needs to be thought anew rather than taking any of the things that exist for a different purpose and trying to force fit them into it because their cultural biases will be overrepresented. I'd create something new and I can't believe I'm saying that because I never want another new government entity.
0: I'm surprised to hear you say it as well because DHS, DHS itself came out of that same kind of reaction post 9 11 this idea that we need something new to meet this new emerging threat you were at the white mm-hmm. house the yeah. day after 9 11 you lived through that what are some of the top lessons just give me two or three of the the top lessons from successes and failures in the the counter-terrorism effort that we can apply to countering domestic violent extremism
1: Yeah. So one is over extrapolation of intent from small pieces of data, right? Just, just, so this to, to counter this, you're going to have to have a lot of data because seeing its mechanism and its life and its breath and pattern is really, really hard. Um, And then I I think the second thing is you, you say DHS was kind of the same response I I propose, no, 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 I think DHS was slamming a bunch of stuff together and saying, okay, now you're new and go do this as, as well. So I think, I think this is probably one that has to start, um, maybe as a task force, maybe as a center. So you don't have to do all the big organizational trappings, but we've, we need a group of people to really work to say, how am I going to understand that there are some people that, that have fought this war externally that can be helpful but it requires new thought because it's our it's our citizens
0: hey everyone if you've been watching this show you've already heard me mention our sponsor storied hats thanks to all of you who've already bought one you know they are top quality hats made in fair trade facilities with sustainable materials I've got a great new offer for listeners of this show. If you get one hat, it's 15% off. And if you get a second hat, that one is 50% off. Check them out. Get a great hat or two and support both our show and a small business that is doing its part for the planet. Thanks. Our conversation up until this point has operated under the assumption that the decision makers actually value the intel that these agencies provide that, a you know, this new agency might provide. I think that assumption, which is held true for most American history, is being challenged right now. Can you provide any insight into the the weird antipathy of... Yeah. Former President Trump, in particular, but that movement writ large towards the IC, towards the intelligence community, to which you dedicated such a large part of your life.
1: Um. Yeah, they're wrong. <laughs> no, um, no, I think this is this actually was going on before former President Trump, and um, you know you can take Edward Snowden as a as, as a, a a little further out starting point where. Intelligence itself had been so kept secret that when it escaped into the private sector, we didn't know how to talk about the craft and discipline of what we did that is governed by laws, that it was other people putting their agendas or their understanding or their spin on it. And that's what became the dominant conversation about it. And then if you put it into recent times and you you hear the constant drumbeat of an FBI that is malfeasant or something like that, that I think that plays into the American people. So one of the things you're gonna to have to do, and I know this is anathema for my community, is just, you're you're going to have to engage the American people. You're going to have to be more transparent about what you do. That's, it, I really would say that if if the average citizen, met the average intelligence officer, they say, Oh my God, they're just like me. They have my same hopes and dreams, but the, I'm not going to become the hero of the story by explaining I'm not the villain. I'm just going to have to become the hero by behaving differently. And I think one of those is just going to have to be more transparency, especially when it comes to the things that we do with our own citizens. And I really think that we'll have to be very thoughtful about not escalating government privilege. In order to achieve this outcome, we did that post 9-11 and that didn't work out as positively as hoped. So the the thing that's so crushing difficult about this problem of domestic extremism is that we can't become different from who we are in order to counter this threat um, that threatens to challenge us. And that's just, you know, how do you not become um, a police state at the time that you're trying to keep everyone safe within a system that seems to be eroding a bit and that's why I think that's why I go with new I choose a handful of people there are times that we've done this before um, you know in a weird sort of way the cyber solarium that just happened was an attempt to take a new look at a vexing problem in a cross-cutting way and and While maybe it's not changing the world, I think it did yield some good things. I don't want to use the Manhattan Project, but I think we have at points in our history decided that this is so important that we'll throw our lots in together and do something different. But to me, the biggest point is, don't forget who we are as we prosecute this threat, because it'd be so tempting to do
0: so. That's a keen insight, because so much of the, the, the rendering of our social fabric now is over that definition of who we are. And in the context of domestic violent extremism, I'm, I'm drawn especially to, to leaders on the right who are excusing it and folding extremists into the American definition of who we are. And I'll just pick one case in point. Tommy Tuberville, one of the hundred most powerful men in Washington, when asked about white nationalists in the military said, I don't see white nationalists. I see fellow Americans. I don't know how to address that when one of the greatest threats we face as a nation, as articulated by our intelligence communities under, under Trump, under Obama, now under Biden, are these same people and yep. they're being defended as just as American as the rest of us.
1: Yeah, I was I was quoted. I think I was kind of misquoted, but but I will tell you on my last day with with former President Trump, he said, "What do you think the greatest threat to America is?" And I said that we'll stop believing in ourselves, right? And that's what the extremism is run the running the risk of doing, you know, kind of a, a bloodless coup <laughs> in a weird sort of way of just making everyone believe. Um, that the government is fundamentally bad and that there is one set of people who have the right view and I it it must be addressed but it is hard to do so while still don't holding on to the Constitution that has served us pretty well and to your point of of You know, the people you and I know who we have have respected for a lot of years, they they are saying some things that just that are not helpful on this front. And so I think this is a conversation we need to be having not to try and overprotect small groups while we are giving away what we've built over so many years
0: last question because i have to ask you wrote a washington post op-ed about the the classified documents case mm-hmm. making the point as an intelligence professional that keeping our national secrets matters what is what are the stakes when the president himself dismisses the the importance of that <laughs>
1: I, it, I, you you hear me not even being able to, to respond. It is an unbelievable situation to me when the president who knows everything, including what it took to get advantage. And remember advantage is all about keeping America safe for democracy, right? America and Americans, it, takes a lot, and the women and men who serve believe so much in the outcome they're pursuing that they will sacrifice their ability to talk openly to the press, and they will sacrifice their lives in order to be able to deliver that. If that breaks, right, if that breaks, two things happen. We stop getting as much advantage and security is actually eroded or the women and men who are prosecuting decide that their sacrifices don't matter. I just, I, I, the president should know and the president should protect. And if at some point we think that we classify too much or there should be different rules, then goodness gracious, do that through a, through a responsible process. But until that day, this system has benefit and it has benefit in obvious and non-predictive ways.
0: Well, thank you so much, Sue. Really appreciate your time. It's delightful to be here. Thanks.